scores! Gilmore scores! With one three left! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing to Yellow. Shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Three bounds. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. All right, let's get things going on this Thursday, February 29th. It's Wes and Pat on another hour of Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Long time no see, hey, Wes? Yeah. Did you leave? I did end up leaving on Wednesday night after the Chris Tanev trade. I did end up leaving. Um... And funny enough, the day afterwards, we're still reacting to the latest big-time Calgary Flames trade. Chris Tanev is officially a member of the Dallas Stars. That, of course, was made official on Wednesday night. We give you all kinds of bonus coverage, and uh, thanks for taking all that bonus coverage in live or on the podcast feed. Got some great response on it. We really appreciate everybody who uh, dove in, listened to our Craig Conroy piece, our uh, chat with the newest member of the Calgary Flames, which I give uh, I give Artem a ton of credit. He was doing a live radio interview in his second language in an extremely loud background after just being pulled out of a hockey game he was about to play. Um, so, you know, good uh, good for him. And, and did you see the backstory on it? And, and I wrote something that includes this today. He stayed at the rink. Like, he got pulled. He was supposed to play for the Texas Stars in the American Hockey League last night. Yeah. Finds out about a half an hour before, as he told you, that he wasn't going to play. He stayed till the end of the game and asked to address his teammates. And he wanted to say a, a proper farewell. And so, you know, it's kind of neat if you're if you're wondering about the character of this 20-year-old that the Calgary Flames acquired. Three and a half probably hours after finding out he was traded he was still at the rink to say goodbye yeah. to his pals i think that's pretty cool of course we're talking about artem grishnikov who is the prospect coming back to calgary in this chris tanev trade and look text lines open nine sixty nine sixty. curious as to how you're feeling about it now that you've had a little bit of time to digest it and i certainly know now that and i've had a little bit of time to to think it over and certainly talking to some people around the league talking some to to some people um with the flames like i i like the deal i i don't i don't understand the i think it's a very vocal minority but i don't understand the oh, they got absolutely fleeced, or boy, did Conroy get taken to the woodshed, or this is a fail of a trade. I, I really don't understand that that sentiment because they got a they got a prospect who's a former second-round pick. They got a second-round pick as well in this year's draft. So essentially, for Chris Tanev, a 34-year-old uh, pending unrestricted free agent who, as we know, and as you found out when you spoke with him earlier on Thursday, was not going to sign here. It has been clear now for quite some time that just there wasn't going to be an agreement between the Flames and Tanev, and he wanted to go win or attempt to win a Stanley Cup. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But two, a, a second-round plus was always the ballpark for me. And if they could get a first round pick, then that would have been great. And and I think that they were trying to see if a team would give them a first round pick. And just doing some checking in in the last day, Wes, I, I still think the Flames could have extracted a first round pick if they really went nitty gritty with it with Dallas. I do. But I think when, the, when it comes down to it, 
the, the Flames valued getting the prospect and the second round pick more than they valued getting a 25 to 27 or 28th overall selection in the first round. And the reason why is because they've targeted this prospect going back to his draft year as a guy they really coveted. So when he was in the conversation, they really felt like bringing in uh, Grishnikov and getting another top 60 pick was more valuable than getting a late first round pick. I think that that that's the best way to frame it is that they really really liked the prospect and valued getting him along with the pick more than getting the late first round pick and and I've heard that from a few different people that I trust now yeah. and and so that's that's maybe I think that's an important perspective in terms of the way the Flames are viewing the return on Chris Tanev here. Let me let me bounce around a little bit on you and and kind of touch on a couple different things because I know we're going to talk more about Chris Tanev and, and some of the comments today in a little while. But I, as you said, I had a chance to chat with Chris this morning, a, an absolute class act on his way out of town, as you probably would or have come to expect from from Chris Tanev but you're right like he I asked him you know did you have much discussion about ultimately extending in Calgary and he said yes there there was some talk in training camp and they actually talked again a few weeks ago but it was a few weeks ago that he told Craig Conroy Craig, I, I want you to trade me to a contender. I, I think this might be my best chance of my career to go win a title. I want to go to a contender. And yeah. I don't know if that was sparked necessarily by the rumors that the Ottawa Senators were interested in him. But one of the things that Chris said to me, and you can find the story up at the Post Media sites, is he really appreciated that Conroy was only going to trade him to a contending team. And... I raised that point because maybe one of the, you know, maybe there was another team that was willing to give up a first round pick. And I'm not saying a, a team like the Ottawa Senators that is going to be picking high in the draft was offering, you know, that asset. But maybe, I guess what I'm, I'm trying to say is that to do right by Chris Tanev, Craig Conroy was willing to kind of narrow the list of suitors a little bit. Yeah. And, and now to, to jump back to where we started, when you talk about the trade return, you know, I've been struck by it and, and I'm sure you feel the same way. You know, I've had several discussions both face to face and, and over the phone today about Artem Grushnikov. And you can just, you can tell that this isn't, this isn't lip service. The excitement is not trying to sort of justify a trade, especially, you know, when you're looking someone in the eye and seeing how excited they are about bringing this prospect aboard like that. That's the thing that strikes me. This, this guy was really high on their radar. They, they really feel like they went and plucked a prospect out of Dallas. That's yeah. maybe not getting, his due in terms of where he's being rated. Well, and and, and again, th that doesn't mean that it has to change your opinion. If you feel like they should have chosen a first round pick and, and you value a 27th overall pick more than a, a second round pick and a prospect, they really, really like that. That's, that's your opinion. I'm not saying you're right or wrong. You, you're, you're entitled to your own opinion. I just wanted to bring that perspective. Uh, I was, 
I was thinking that, yeah, there's a chance they could get a first-round pick for Chris Tanev. But the the ballpark for me was always like, okay, we know that a second-plus is on the table, and that would be fair. If they could get a first, that would be great. Well, that that when when I've checked in and, and talked today, like that added a lot of perspective for me in that I, they really valued the prospect. So that, mm-hmm. that gives me a little bit of pause. And I wanted to just add a little bit more perspective on, on a couple of other things. I know I've, I've heard a lot. I've seen a lot on the, uh, the text line. I've seen a lot on Twitter. But, well, Ben Sherratt two years ago got a first-round pick, and, and Montreal made out like bandits on that one. I have heard this from people outside the Flames, and I've, I've talked to a couple of people with the Flames on this. I... I think the Ben Sherratt deal has killed the defense market ever since that happened, especially the defense market for that type of player, kind of the the rental, stay-at-home veteran defenseman. I think the disaster that it was of Sherratt not really making much of an impact in Florida and the Panthers not doing much in that year's playoffs and then him walking and signing in Detroit, I believe it was, that that in a lot of ways has hurt the market and hurt the flames in trying to trade Tanev two years later. Um, and, and a few people on the outside have said, yeah, the Sherratt deal has done a lot of damage to you know, really trying to get those types of returns for players. And so having a player, having a team offer up a higher first round pick just was probably not going to be in the cards because of that. So I wanted to throw that out there. Um, and the other interesting thing is one of the things that I think you can compare it to is Alec Martinez of the Vegas Golden Knights and similar player, similar impact player, similar coveted player. When Vegas went out and got Alec Martinez from Los Angeles, essentially the same price, two second round picks. That's what LA got back for Martinez. It's essentially what the Flames are getting back for Chris Tanev. And so yeah. that's that's one that I know that uh, I, I think this one was being modeled on by a lot of the different people involved, whether it was the Stars, Flames, or any of the other teams. The Alec Martinez framework, I think, was was a big part of this as well. So I just, I, I know that Sherratt keeps on getting thrown around. It's like, well, Sherratt got a first. Well, because Sherratt got a first and it ended up being such a disaster, it's backed off a lot of GMs in being able to do that. So they may have been able to get a late first from Dallas, maybe, but not a lot of other teams were offering firsts, and Sherratt's disastrous tenure in Florida was a big reason why. Even, you know, go look at the teams that need defense and then go to Cap Friendly and look at how many of them have already traded their first-round pick in this draft like that there's a bunch of teams that it's not just the disaster that was the Sherratt deal there's there's a bunch of teams that have used that capital in previous seasons to to try and bring in a rental or or bring in an impact piece in a trade at at really any time of the year you know one of the things pal that I I said last night as we were emergency podcasting or as you were emergency podcasting and I was just sitting here (laughs) nodding uh, you it, did great work. What, one of the things that we sort of talked about at that point was that I liked the way that the Flames have have really started to commit to a, a range. Like that this is not going to be, and we've said this over and over and over, and I know some people don't agree with this direction, but 
Pat and I are, are here to warn you, this is not going to be a down to the studs rebuild. This is going to be a retool. And as part of that, mm-hmm. the Calgary Flames and Craig Conroy are prioritizing guys who could be in the NHL in a couple of seasons as opposed to four, right? Ar- Artem Grushnikov is a rookie in the American Hockey League. That means he's still, especially for a defensive-minded defenseman, he still has some road in front of him, but he's two and a half years ahead of a guy that you're going to get in the second round of the draft this year. And so I think that becomes a big part of it too. Even a first right, like a late first rounder this year, What what's the sort of best case ETA? Uh, is it three seasons from now for, for a late first? You know, if you, if you even look at the way at the timeline for a, a Connor Zary, who was a, a late first round pick for a Jacob Pelche, who was a late first round pick. Like we're talking several seasons of development for these guys. And that's not saying that Craig Conroy doesn't want late first round picks because they have value. It's just, I, <laughs> I like the fact that they targeted a guy who they think could be a full timer on their blue line sooner than later. Well, and is that not what we've been telling you for a little while here? That, that Craig Conroy, part of Conroy's plan is Picks, prospects, retool, getting younger, but part of it is getting older prospects, not 26-year-old prospects. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Sharon Govich is, he's not a prospect. He's a younger NHLer. I think that's the top of the age range. But guys who are 20, 21, 22 years old, to your point, who are either ready right now or who are knocking on the door in the next year or so to be ready to play in the NHL. It's why when we were talking, you know, three or four months ago about potential spots for guys, I I, I targeted Zellweger in Anaheim, right? Who's probably ready to be an NHL or right now, but he's kind of a tweener at the age of 20 in Anaheim. But like, okay, if you could get a guy like Zellweger, Calgary kid would be a cool story. Like that's the type of player the Flames are looking at. And that's part of what Conroy is coveting in this whole retool process. So Bristavich, is a guy that I think fits that. He'll be a 20-year-old next year and eligible to play in the American League, and and that's going to be the next step. And there's going to be spots open on this team. So if you're Bristavich, I know there's some worry that he's not going to sign, but I still believe he's he's going to sign with the Flames. They, that, just, they can't announce it until March 1st. I was going to say, that might be in a drawer getting ready to roll out in the next few days. They might, they might wait until after the trade deadline to announce everything, but you know who knows? Maybe they do it before. But yeah. so you've got Bristavich, you've got now, uh, you you've got now Grushnikov, same age range. You've got Poirier, and then a little bit younger, you've got Moran, who's more of that traditional prospect because you drafted him yourself, and you drafted Poirier a few years ago. So he, so right there, you've got three defensemen that are kind of knocking on the door, and two of them you've acquired in the last month and a bit mm-hmm. in in Bristavich and now Grushnikov, and so even and. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go but ahead. Even if you you throw Ilya Slovyov and Jan Kuznetsov in that mix, you've got you know three future sort of power play quarterbacks in Bruce Davich, Poirier, and Etienne Moran, and then you've got three guys who who sort of are going to be that more shut down, stay at home, little bit more physical, greasy type in, in Kuznetsov, in Grushnikov now, and Slovyov, and and I'm not saying all six of those guys are going to be hits on the blue line in the future for the Flames. In fact, I'm I'm probably here to tell you that they're not all going to be NHLers. That's just the way it works. But 
that's a pretty good assortment all of a sudden at a position that we talked about as a, you know, I remember us chatting in the lead up to the draft last year. Like they got to go get some defensemen. They mm-hmm. have a huge void in the system. They've done a pretty good job of addressing it so far. And when they trade Noah Hannafin in the next eight days here, I think you're probably going to be talking about if they can, a player in that similar age range, if they could bring that back to a 20, 21, 22 year old player, somewhere in that range, if they could get that on top of a, a first round pick, which I think it is a little bit different. I think the conversation would be a little bit different if a first round pick weren't coming back in a Hannafin trade. I mean, based depending on what the prospect is, that's the only thing that could maybe right. change that conversation. But that is that is one of the things the Flames are are very much coveting in this entire retool process is guys who are a little bit closer in their NHL window to being ready to play full time, which is why Wednesday's trade and why the Lindholm trade, those two prospects were very much in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, whether it's a, a young center, maybe it's another defenseman like that, they're gonna be targeting another sort of knocking on the door type in that Hannafin yep. trade. And Craig, I know I called you Chris last night, but Craig Conroy, if you're listening. Chris Conroy, Craig Tanev. The, the, uh, the trades don't have to happen at, at six. Every yeah, Connie, night. if yeah. you want to like, if just, you want to do one at like 3.30, that would yeah. be awesome. Just but, throw, hey, throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. It's up to you. What? But if you want to, um yeah. Yeah. Just that, again, like a suggestion. You know, you know the suggestion box. Do they have a suggestion box at the Saddle Dome? Yeah. That's our suggestion. Uh, what do we got here at 960, 960 uh, on the text line before we uh, hear from Chris Tanev and dive a little bit more into what they're losing? Um, this says Prestavich chose to leave the USA development program to come to Canada to develop. He's been to Alberta many times and likes it. I'm not worried about him not signing. Neither am I. I mean, uh, again, they couldn't do it right away. Uh, I, I believe essentially as soon as the trade was made, there was an indication that Prestavich was very, very keen on signing with the team. They just couldn't do it in January. They couldn't do it in February. Yeah. March 1st is the deadline to start. Or sorry, is the, the first day that you can start signing these guys to deals for next year. And if when Bristavich signs, he'll be eligible to play in the American League next year. He'll be eligible to be an NHL recall next year as a 20-year-old. I don't think he's going back to the Ontario League. Yeah, I mean, let, let's worry about Hunter Bristavich if he's not signed a few weeks from now. But I don't think you or I or really anyone at the Saddledome has any concern about Hunter Brustavich. I, I really think that deal's as good as done. Yep. Uh, this says, I agree with Wes. I think a prospect drafted a few Woo-hoo! years ago is worth more than a second-round pick. First, a prospect is playing professional hockey, not junior hockey. This is important because now we can see with our own eyes how they've developed between the time they were drafted. And now we don't have to imagine how they might develop. We can see how they've developed. I believe that, you know... Grishnikov was very much on their board leading up to the, the draft that he was taking in 2021 as well. I, I, uh, I, I think that that was a guy that they have been kind of eyeing up for quite some time. So when, and the, the pro and amateur scouts, when they were like, Hey, this guy's available potentially in a Tanev trade. I think it really piqued the interest in a big way for the flames. That, um, that looks like a pretty good draft class, too. I think we should point out for the Dallas Stars. They took Wyatt Johnston in the first round. Not Pre- bad. Pretty good player. Yep, okay. Uh, they took 
with their first of two second round picks, they took Logan Stankoven. Stankoven. He's just got a couple goals in his first three NHL games. Yeah, and uh, so if they were on a uh, if they were on a bit of a heater at the 2021 draft, the Calgary Flames would would gladly yep you know reap the benefits of that. Uh, this reads, remember everyone, sometimes a late first could actually equal a second rounder depending on the draft. If it's wide open, you might get a guy at 50 who is 25 on your list. Uh, this says, I think what most people don't understand is that a player is a 10-team list. Now that's 20 teams out of the mix. Of those 10, maybe five are interested, so now you have to work with that plus the salary cap. Robin Coldale says, it's like Conroy got two seconds, one of them already signed and developing in the American League with many positive attributes. Uh, this says, I agree, the last 10 of the first round aren't much different than the first 10 of the second. Craig Button and Kevin Weeks said the same last night. This reads from Theo in the South, people overvalue the word first round. Later in the round is usually a lotto pick anyways. The Flames getting two picks prospects gives them two lotto tickets instead of one. Um, this says... Not sure this makes sense, but I'll try to explain it as best I can. I think Conroy wanted to make this deal now because who knows where Dallas and these other teams were going to be in a week from now. What if Connie held out and held out waiting for the first round pick and then all of a sudden when the clock strikes midnight on deadline day, there was still no deal on, in place and Connie takes even less than what he wanted because he's scrambling hours before the deadline. Dallas put a nice deal on the table and Connie jumped. I hope that makes sense and it does. And, and absolutely and I think as a as part of that or or sort of dovetailing with that i i do think that it was maybe becoming the the fact that you're juggling tanev and hannafin both being available on that defense market i i think they're hoping they they might have sort of shaken free a little bit of the logjam on the hannafin deal by getting by getting yep. tanev off the market as well uh, this reads from Mike. Good timing. Tanev's a ticking time bomb. Love the guy for what he did for Calgary, but he's bound to get hurt. His old style hockey is living on borrowed time. Two second rounders and a possible third win win. I think uh, this says from Danny and Langdon. Lots of people seem not to like it. Tanev's an aging D man to get two assets and possibly three for him is great. I think a big thing to note is the flames willingness to acquire assets for aging free agents. Let's go Connie. Uh, and finally, this reads, never expected a first. The only part of the Tanev trade I found to be underwhelming was the condition on the third, especially when the Flames are retaining and the long list of supposed interested teams. But a second-plus prospect for a 34-year-old UFA is still a decent return. Hopefully, Grushnikov pans out, which will make this trade look a whole lot better. Wishing Tanev all the best. That guy deserves a cup. Great stuff on the text line at 960-960. And, and I'm sure this goes into the thinking for a lot of those saying, you know, well done, Connie, or, or way to go, Connie. But don't... Uh... I guess don't discount the fact that Craig Conroy traded one of his top four defensemen during a four game win streak. Like if you were doubting and with his team sort of jostling in the wild card race there. And so if you had any doubt about the commitment to the direction, I think that was cleared up last 1, night. Thousand percent. Well said. That's high. You know what? Let's go with 1200%. Let's really, you know what? Everybody says 110% in hockey. I'm going 1,200%. Let's do that. That's good. Uh, Pat and Wes along with you this hour on Flames Talk. Okay, let's go to now what the Flames are losing in Chris Tanev because there's no doubt they're going to miss this guy. Like, what what an almost four full seasons as a member of the Flames. I don't know any way 
to put this other than this is going to hurt them on the ice. To what extent is on the Flames? It's on Mackenzie Weger. It's on Rasmus Anderson. It's on Oliver Shillington. It's on Braden Pahal. To what extent it hurts them is now on who's remaining with the team. But there is nobody on this roster who is ready to replace what Chris Tanev did. Chris Tanev, when not in the lineup, is the most noticeable guy I can remember not being in the lineup for the Calgary Flames. That's how much this guy means to the team. His shutdown minutes, his ability to transition play, his ability to outlet the pass under heaps and heaps of pressure. He just, you don't replace a guy like this, and they haven't even brought in a roster guy to help fill the void. This is going to hurt the team to what extent it hurts them and how noticeable it is to our naked eye is now going to be the really interesting thing in the final 23 games of the season. Yeah, absolutely it is. And, and just sort of that calming presence that he brings on the bench when when things are starting to slide a little bit. I, I think th- there's just no way to sugarcoat the fact that the Calgary Flames blue line is not nearly as strong as it was at this time yesterday. And that being said, I, I do think they're, you know, it, it helps that with the return of Oliver Shillington, I do believe that they've had it, with Chris Tanev five top four defensemen for the last little while. So I, I guess it helps that you have Oliver Shillington. No question. At, and at, Mackenzie Weger, who you can move to his strong side. Right. Too. And so, as Oliver has looked more and more settled, quite frankly, I think Oliver is, is back playing to essentially the level he was before his leave of absence for mental health reasons. So having Oliver Shillington that you can plug into your top four, I think helps withstand a little bit of that one. Now, when you trade Noah Hannafin, it's a much different story. Yeah. You, and I've, I've been a big fan of, of Braden Pahal and, and what he's brought, but, you're going to have three top four defensemen after the Hannafin trade, unless you're bringing one in. And I really doubt that. You know, I don't think any team is giving you a top four defenseman in that deal. Before we pivot, let's hear from Chris Tanev. He spoke to the media for the first time. He uh, spoke with Wes and Eric Francis. I uh, encourage you to go read both. Francis at sportsnet.ca, Wes at the Post Media sites. Uh, some really good stuff from Chris Tanev that these two beauties were able to extract. And uh, then uh, after spoke to those two guys, uh, spent some time with the Dallas media, a few Flames media members on the call as well. Here's just a little bit of Chris Tanev as he reacts to Wednesday's trade with the Dallas Stars. It's been uh, been a long process. I think uh, anyone who, who follows hockey is, has seen my name around for, for quite some time now. Um, so, I mean, as you said, I'm, I'm super excited to, to get to Dallas when, whenever that may be. Um, but uh, super, just really excited to, to be able to join the group, get to know everyone and, and help the team and sort of relieve that um, everything's finally done and, and my family and I can get settled in. Hey Chris, uh, Solomon from TSN here. Um, can you can you talk about maybe the human elements that you mentioned of seeing your name constantly in in the trade rumor mill and having media talk about you for as long as we did? Like, can you speak to maybe the human elements of of what that's like for a player in your spot? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was very different for me because that's never really really happened to me and uh, in my fourteen years. So. 
Um, I mean, really weird for me the first few months, I think. Um, but the la the last little bit, I, I I feel like I I just got adjusted to it and was was just having fun playing hockey and uh, enjoying being around the guys. And I mean, there's yeah, I would say earlier on in the year it was it was a little tougher, but as the year got on, it just was sort of became a, a daily routine almost. Hey, Chris, um, can you describe, I mean, we know that you've played with Jacob for an awful long time and and maybe that's going to be weird not seeing him in the same dressing room, but the conversations you've had with him and, and other former Flames teammates over the past few hours here, and how did you find out about the trade? Like, where were you when you, when you found out that you were getting moved? I was actually eating dinner. We decided, my wife and I decided to take our um, son out to, for like the first time since he was a really young to go out eat somewhere and uh found out at at the table there but um Con connie gave me a call and um he was super professional the, the whole year and he, he's such an awesome guy so I, I really appreciate everything he he's done for me um and as far as yeah i've played with marky for 10 years now um we have we have such a good relationship and we've um we've been through so many ups and downs together so it's going to be sad uh not playing with him for sure and obviously there's i've been here now for three and a half years and built some great relationships with not only players but trainers and, and people in management and it's um obviously that's that's the hardest part um but as i said earlier i'm super excited uh whenever i whenever i get the chance to get to dallas and and, and join the group this uh I heard you on After Hours a, a few weeks ago and you were talking about that that first year in the league where you played in the Stanley Cup final with Vancouver and how, how much how much kind of is that the the driving to get back there and, and wanting to have that opportunity again, part of why now you're in Dallas? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a huge part. I think if you're if you're playing the game not to win, you're you're probably playing for the wrong reasons, right? So um yeah I mean I sort of got thrown in the fire my first year and then was able to to play on a pretty good team and get some chances to play in some big games and in the conference finals and finals and you're sort of ever since that chasing chasing that feeling again and 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 wanting to to be able to try to win and um this gives me a, a good opportunity to do that so I'm, I'm quite happy about that Hey Chris, I just wanted to ask you about the uh, the twenty twenty two series against Dallas, and and you know just what was that like, and uh, you know we all kind of saw it being very chippy and physical and all that stuff. Just you know what was that seven game set like, and and I know there's been some turnover, but a lot of common faces still from from that series here in Dallas. Yeah, um, it was a great series. To I mean that's what you expect in playoffs, right? To to hard teams going at it and battling for, for every inch, inch on the ice and uh, low scoring, both goalies were, were incredible. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a really hard fought series. Um, obviously have played against a lot of these guys for, for a long time now. So um quite for quite familiar with how they, how they play and um, things like that. So I'm, I'm super excited to get adjusted and, and sort of, learn the, the new system and, and learn how how coach and everyone else wants me to play on your time in calgary chris what stands out for you in the three and a half years that you were here oh a lot man um yeah i just obviously like to thank everyone in calgary from from the ownership group down to connie and 
management to husk and, and all the coaches and trainers and um all the guys that, that have been here for for a long time um everyone's treated me incredibly well um everyone's made me feel like this is home and um i can't really i can't thank them enough for for how incredible they they have been to to me and my family so i mean obviously that's uh, the hardest part and it's a it's a weird weird feeling but at the same time i'm extremely excited to to start a new chapter in my career and uh meet everyone in dallas and uh get going there i'll say this much for that's chris tan have a little bit of his chat with the uh, media earlier on thursday for what this guy gave to the flames terms of um, bruises and teeth and um, sweat and time on the trainer's table, uh, broken solar plexus or what, like all of what goes into the Chris Tanev package, it is going to be hard not to root for the Dallas Stars in the playoffs. Yeah. Like it's just, I want to see that guy win a Stanley Cup. And I've, I've known for quite some time that it's why I kept on pushing back on the, well, they resuffered. He wants to win a cup. Yeah. That's why this trade has happened. He wants to win a cup, and it drives him, and it is the biggest driving force why he is a member of the Dallas Stars. And, and listen, I know it's tough for him being the ultimate teammate to say goodbye, the way the Flames are rolling, the fact that they're still in the wild card race. Like, I, I know there's some mixed emotions there. It's funny. I, I was talking to Chris Tanev earlier today, and one of the things he said was, I'm just paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, I feel like every time I was on the ice, I did everything I could to help that team. And I started laughing and I said, yeah, Chris, I think you're, I think you're good there. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I think everybody knows. I think, um, I think you held up your end of the bargain. So I, I can't say enough good things about Chris Tana, both, you know, what we saw on the ice and, and in our interactions with him. I, I hope it goes really well in Dallas. Our trade deadline coverage uh, is kind of wall-to-wall up until next Friday's deadline on March 8th, and then we'll be wall-to-wall on Friday, March 8th. It was uh, pretty much wall-to-wall on Wednesday night as well. Our trade deadline coverage this year brought to you by four great sponsors, including All Kind Door Services Limited, your go-to service company for the last 35 years, offering 24-hour emergency service for all your door repairs. Anything that swings, slides, or rolls, call 403-266-1411. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's a Thursday edition of the program. Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, and now Derek Wills, the voice of the Flames, joins us on our Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The fastest-growing segment of vehicles they sell is electric. Informed buyers are coming to see. Perhaps you should discover why. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. And we are still reacting and still digesting the Chris Tanev trade from Wednesday night. Trade that sent Tanev to the Dallas Stars. He is not going to play for the Stars on Thursday. He's got to get some uh, immigration things, visa issues worked out before he can join the Stars. So it sounds like he might be able to debut with Dallas sometime this weekend. In return, Flames got a second-round pick for the coming draft. They got 
prospect defenseman Artem Grushnikov, and uh, they also got a conditional third-round pick that'll transfer to the Flames if the Stars make the Stanley Cup final. It was actually a pretty complicated deal when it was all said and done because New Jersey got involved to uh, help with retention as well, and it ends up being that Tatanev goes to Dallas with just 25% of his cap hit being absorbed. I say this all to uh, launch our first topic, Wilsey, on our Daily Flames roundtable on this Thursday. Now that we've had a little bit of time to digest and, and take it all in, what uh, what do we think of the deal that sent Tanev to Dallas? Well, I like the trade. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how it works out. I mean, the draft pick is a lottery ticket. The prospect is, in a way, a lottery ticket. But uh, as Wes pointed out earlier on the show, at least you've got uh, some intel on him, both at the junior level and Selfishly, uh, I am happy that uh, another Hamilton Bulldogs graduate comes into the fold for the Calgary Flames. And at the AHL level, which is probably even more important as far as you know, trying to get a read on what this guy is going to be. And you trade away a guy who you can't replace, at least not today. Chris Tanev is one of the best defensive defensemen, one of the best penalty-killing defensemen, one of the best shot blockers in the National Hockey League. And those are some of the tangible things that he brings to the table. I, I think there are a lot of intangible things that he brings to the table as well. And, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to see him go because I love the person and I love the player. But you get a guy who is described as kind of the same sort of player. Will he ever turn into Chris Tanev? We're going to have to wait and see. But Artem Grushnikov uh, is described as a defensive defenseman. Uh, a guy who can kill penalties and you know, hopefully he's not that far away from being an NHL player and maybe closer to being one of those guys with the direction that the flames are going in than uh, he would have been as a member of the stars organization. But, you know, basically you get uh, two first round picks and I know there are a lot of people out there who really wanted uh, a first round pick, but personally I'd rather have two second round picks. I'd rather have a, a second round pick in the upcoming draft and a second round pick uh, from basically two and a half years ago, who's closer to being a professional hockey player at the, the NHL level, because I, I've got a better idea of what that guy is and, and who that guy is. So I like the trade. Uh, only time will tell uh, if I love the trade. Guys, let me just throw out an, a note on uh, Artem Grushnikov too, and, and this might be out there already. I'm not sure, but just so those uh, in Calgary kind of know the timeline, my understanding is as long as his work visa issues were ironed out and, and that seemed to be trending the right way, that he's flying to Calgary tonight. And so I think actually you could see him make his debut with the Calgary Wranglers tomorrow night. They host the Colorado Eagles, I believe, at 7 o'clock at the Saladome. So just... Just where that 20-year-old prospect, yeah. Artem Grushnikov, might, you know, if, if you're dying to see him, your first opportunity is certainly going to be in a, a Wranglers uniform, and he'll need more seasoning at that level. That could start as soon as Friday. In You know, Derek, I was thinking about this as, as you were talking, and one of the things I'm going to be really curious to watch, because you mentioned all those sort of intangibles like this, this was a defense group that deferred to Tanev in terms of, he was pretty clearly the the top dog. He and I don't mean that in terms of on ice play, but he was the he was the stabilizing veteran. He was the you know the voice in the meeting room. He he was the guy that was the sort of undisputed leader of that blue line brigade. And 
Chris Tanev, when I chatted with him earlier today, went out of his way to talk about the the sort of evolution of Rasmus Anderson's leadership. And one of the things he told me is that he he's seen Rasmus Anderson take a big step in terms of the way he leads, the way he pipes up in the locker room, and that he expects that only to continue as he gets more comfortable in that role. And so, you know, we don't we're not always gonna see it. It, but I, I'm really curious between Rasmus Anderson and Mackenzie Weger to, you know, kind of watch it unfold. Okay, who who takes over the leadership of this defense core now? Who's going to be the guy who those young players that are called up can lean on? Who who's next? And and maybe it's maybe the answer is both of them. But that's something I'm going to be kind of watching for. Is you know who who fills that part of what Chris Tanev leaves behind. Well, and, and, you know, Wilsey, as you were going through it, I, I think that when you talk about the, the difference between a first-round pick, because first of all, I, I, I quite like the trade. I think more than anything else, there's, there's two main reasons why I like the trade and, and like what the Flames did here. Number one, it just continues on the same path that Craig Conroy's been going on. You take a look at the four trades he's made since the Toffoli trade in June, and they all have been very, very apparently part of a vision like get more assets, get more lottery tickets and, and get some young players who are a little closer to being NHL ready than an 18 year old would be. And, and in all four of the trades, even the Zadorov deal, I know they didn't get that player, but in all, all four of the trades, they've, they've kind of all followed a similar path. They got Sharon Govich, they got Bristavich, and now they got Grushnikov. All three of those guys, obviously Sharon Govich is playing right now, and the two defensemen are are potentially NHL guys who could be in the lineup as early as next year. And, and I'm not saying that they're guaranteed to be, but there is that opportunity. They're both going to be Wranglers next year. So it just they're, they're guys that are a little bit closer. So I like that this one, again, fits the same mold and fits the same vision that Craig Conroy is very clearly showing us right now. That's one and two. And I steal this right from Wes who said this last hour, but the fact that he traded Chris Tanev with the way the flames are playing and the quality that they just, the the quality win they just came off of against the LA Kings on Tuesday for him to trade Tanev the next day, smack dab in the middle of a playoff race as, as hard as I know it was for Craig and as hard as I know it was for him to deliver the message to the locker room with how much they're fighting right now. It shows that his long-term vision is the priority and there's no being swayed by you know, fleeting or temporary results, short-term things. And I think that's a very positive thing as well. So I like the deal for those two main reasons. I also like the return. And Wilsey, I think the Flames are in the exact same camp you are in that I believe the Flames could have extracted a first-round pick from Dallas. But that pick would have been like 25, 26, 27, 32. Who knows where that pick was going to be, but it wasn't going to be anything that was much higher than 25 or 26 overall. They've liked this prospect going back to his draft year in 2021. He was right there on their board when they took their second round pick in 2021, I believe. And so I just, I, I, I look at it and I say, 
Well, the Flames really, really like this prospect. They got him a second-round pick, uh, or, or he was a second-round pick. They got an additional second-round pick, and they valued being able to get the prospect and the additional asset more than they valued a super-late first-round pick. And so, you know, that, that doesn't mean that you have to agree with it if you're listening, but that's the way the Flames have looked at it, and that's why they, they didn't necessarily go down the road of needing a first round pick for this to happen. I think the fact they got the prospect helped them. And I just, that adds a little perspective to it for me and makes me that much more intrigued on the deal as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what other deals were on the table, but personally, I would rather have Grushnikov, who as you guys pointed out earlier, is two and a half years ahead of where a second round pick would be if he was taken in 2024 and a second round pick than a late first-round pick. And I think it's safe to assume at this point it would probably be a, a bottom 10 pick. And if it's pick number 31 or 32 that the Flames would have got, that means the Stars made the Stanley Cup final, and that means the Flames get an additional third-round pick mm-hmm. in 2026. So uh, I like the trade. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, you've got one lottery ticket that has a, a better chance to hit than another simply because uh, that prospect has spent some time developing at the OHL and, and now AHL levels and is closer to potentially being an NHL player. So we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. But uh, uh, another step in the right direction as far as making this team younger. Obviously, it hurts them right now. Chris Tanev uh, was one of their best defensemen and their best defensive defensemen. And I'm also anxious to see how this impacts uh, the dressing room because it's not like the guys were blindsided by this. You know, they knew that Chris Tanev was likely going to be traded between now and March 8th. So they've had quite some time to wrap their head around that, but it's still going to sting. So anxious to see Mm -hmm. how the guys respond to this uh, on Saturday night. Daily Flames Roundtable. It's uh, with... Derek Wills, the voice of the Flames. Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg on this Thursday. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's go there, Willsy. Let's let's go from the trade itself to the impact on the right now for the team that we cover day in day out. Tanev gets taken away. That's a right shot defenseman that's taken away. How and and we'll find out Friday morning. We'll see how right or wrong we are. But how would you go about constructing your pairings now with Chris Tanev no longer in the fold? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot since uh, the trade broke last night. And I'm really torn because it makes some sense to leave what is now clearly your top pairing together with Mackenzie Wieger and Rasmus Anderson. But with that said, that makes you really top heavy, in my opinion. So what I would probably do, and I think Ryan Huska, in a way, has been looking for an excuse to do this. I would probably break up that Uyghur-Anderson pairing because you've got two righties on that pairing. And I think in a perfect world, uh, and this doesn't apply to just Ryan Huska, I think it applies to most head coaches around the NHL. I think you like to have lefties on the left and righties on the right. So it gives you an opportunity to do that. Clearly, Oliver Shillington goes from being your number five guy to your number four guy. I guess the question is, who would you pair him with? Would you pair him with Mackenzie Uyghur or would you pair him with Rasmus Anderson if you did break up that top pairing? And then I guess uh, who comes in as your number six guy with uh, Braden Pahal now becoming your number five. So I would probably break up that top pairing, knowing that if it didn't work, you could always go back to it. And another reason why I think they left 
the top four intact with two righties on that Uyghur-Anderson pairing was because they knew they were probably moving both guys in the other pairing. And if you want to increase the value of the guy who's still likely to move between now and March 8th, and that's Noah Hannafin, play him with Chris Tanev, who, going back to his days with the Canucks when he was on a pairing with Quinn Hughes, and ever since he's been a member of the Calgary Flames, it really hasn't mattered who his partner has been. He has helped elevate that guy, just like I think he's helped elevate Hannafin this season. So it made a lot of sense to leave uh, the top four intact as long as you had those four guys at your disposal. Now that you lose one of those guys, now I think is probably the time to experiment a little bit, break up that top pairing, and uh, see if you can find two that give you, I would say, a bit more balance in your top four. Yeah, I'd be I'd be splitting up uh, that top pair or or that Anderson uh, Uyghur pair and getting them, you know, shuffled righty lefty. And I do think, you know, it's sort of important to understand, as we all do, that you're going to be changing these defense pairs again in in three games without Noah Hannafin. So I I don't know that you have to be too focused on you know the long term with these, but I'm probably putting Hannafin and Anderson back together for. However many games uh, Noah Hannafin remains on the the Flames roster, I, I know we saw just a glimpse of Shillington Uyghur, and, and I'd have those two back together, see how that works. And then my my sense is that Jordan Osterley is going to be the guy who comes into the lineup, and, and I base that on the fact that it has been Jordan Osterley taking the warm-ups the last several nights in case there you know, is a, a last-minute change I, I need to scratch a guy at the last minute and so I think Osterley and Brain Pahal at, at least starting tomorrow sorry not tomorrow uh Saturday, Saturday. night against the Pittsburgh Penguins who who have a, a couple pretty good centers um I, I think that's probably how I'd arrange them yeah I, I uh I would and this is no knock on Osterley at all I I would go Gilbert as my number six that, I like the idea of Gilbert and Pahal oh my god that would be a I would be misery to play against, wouldn't it? That that's a physical pairing. Like it's you know, it may not be at the same level that Good Branson and Zadorov was, but they would play the game in a similar way at the very least. Like Pahal and Gilbert are the two guys that are, are most eager to throw their weight around and, and kind of play that physical game. So that I, I would bring Gilbert back in, put him on the left and Pahal on the right. And then, yeah, I think I'm, I'm exactly where Wes is on the top four. Wilsey. I I'd put Hannafin back with Anderson for the time being, and knowing that we'll have another one of these conversations in a few days, once the other deals made, but yeah, I, for the time being, I'd reunite Anderson with Hannafin because we know that they can play well together and have many, many times. Uh, and then I'd be really intrigued by Shillington with Uyghur. And, and, you know, even when they thought about doing that or did do it for a little bit in, in some earlier games before Pahal was was brought in, I, I was really intrigued by it and would remain intrigued by it. In fact... I'd be intrigued by that pairing just period going forward as a potential long-term pairing because we know we know Uyghur's not going anywhere. I think we all know there's a very good chance that Shillington will re-up with the Flames. I don't think there's any doubt. Wes wrote a good article about that a week ago. Um, and, you know, all along the feel has been that there's just a lot of gratitude here from from the Shillington side. So I, I don't think he's going anywhere. So Shillington, Uyghur as a long-term pairing would be really interesting. And then you can go Anderson with somebody else. And whether that is somebody who comes back 
in a Hannafin trade or if you're looking long-term, somebody they could bring in during the offseason to pair with Rasmus Anderson. But for now, in the final three-game limbo stage that we're talking about here, I'd go Shillington with Uyghur, I'd go Hannafin with Anderson, and I'd go Gilbert with Pahal. Yeah, and who knows what happens between now and trade deadline. Who knows or now who and they Saturday. Get, what they get. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Now and then, now in March 8th, whatever. Uh, who knows what they get for Noah Hannafin? You know, when the Bruins came to town last week, and obviously because he's a Boston native, uh, that is one of the teams that Noah Hannafin has been tied to, and I think for good reason. You know, we saw a young defenseman in Mason Lorai who really caught my eye, not only in that game against the Flames, but the night before when he had three assists against the Oilers. So a big guy who can skate, has good offensive instincts, and obviously isn't Noah Hannafin now, but could he be that type of player a year or two or three down the road? I don't know if the Bruins would let him go, but he is certainly someone who I would be really interested in from a Flames perspective, someone who you could insert right into your top four and try to let him hit the ground running. So it's interesting. Uh, We'll have to wait and see what happens here. And while you guys fight over who should be the new number six, Gilbert or Osterley, I'll play the role of Switzerland and say that I think it could be matchup dependent for the Flames. If you're playing against a team where you need a bit more speed, a guy who can move the puck a little bit better, then maybe you lean Osterley. But if you're playing against a team where you feel like you need some more physicality, then Gilbert's definitely your guy. So I think we could see both guys kind of rotate into that number six spot. Uh, guten Abend. Uh, have a good evening. <laughs> if you're being Switzerland, that's uh, that's good evening in Swiss German. Um, you know what's more impressive when your mic's on and you say something? That was very <laughs> impressive. Uh, good evening, Mr. Wills. We will uh, see you on Friday. Thank you, uh, and thank you for being for flat flexible today on our show that was completely in a blender. I really appreciate that as well. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Willsy. Yeah, no worries. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. So, so, do I have to turn the mic on every time I want to talk? Yeah. I mean, depends how depends how much of a break you want to give the listeners. You right? know, I thought radio was a little more tech forward than this. That's, no. <laughs> no. Also, I, w- I wouldn't be putting your I wouldn't be putting your your RSPs in uh, <laughs> either. Uh, but keep listening to this. We, we love you on board on the Flames Talk podcast. That was a great show today. That was, uh, that was a really good hour. That was a really good show. Uh, check it out. Check out everything on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Uh, Cam and Shan have been our producers this hour. And that'll do it for the Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The fastest growing segment of vehicles they sell is electric. Informed buyers are coming to see. Perhaps you should discover why minutes from the Calgary airport.